I don't really have to worry about building a church because Jesus said, I will build a church. This is what's driving most religious people crazy. They're trying to build something. You don't have to build anything. Let Jesus build the church. And I'm glad to be a part of that building and that structure this morning. So thank you for being here, and thank you for being Arizona, former Arizonaites, and just thank you for coming, and uh, we appreciate you this morning. Psalms chapter number 107. I've been telling about ships because <clears throat> I like to go on ships. I didn't used to, but I like to now. And we go cruising a lot, and, you know, the deal is, what do you do? Well, I don't, really, don't do anything. I just cruise. They won't let me drive. So uh, since they won't let me drive, I just kind of lay back and relax and don't do, really do anything. But you, we've talked about this, but I'm going to kind of get somewhere to a, I'm going to talk to you about, about our responsibility. So basically, David says that they that go down into, into the sea, into ships, they do business in great waters. The word great waters in the Hebrew is the word called deep waters. And, and if you like me, if you've ever been on a cruise ship, I mean, it's out there. We're out there, two and a half miles deep. And what was funny, my grandson Simon asked one time, he said, Papa, where's the live jackets? I said, well, here's the deal, son. We're four days into this thing. There's two and a half miles deep of water, and we're infested with sharks. I think the last thing I'm going to worry about is a life jacket, okay? Of course, that didn't make him feel better. So there are four ships for the New Testament believer. We've talked about this a little bit last week. We're going to end it. Uh, there are four ships for the New Testament believer. Number one is fellowship. I'm here. I'm here. It's kind of like a one-man inner tube. So some of you just come in here. You just walk in the door and say, well, I'm here. I'm here. And it's a one-man inner tube. Number two, then it's fellowship. Just hang around a little bit. Hey, I made a friend. It's got like a two-man kayak. My wife and I are going to go to a cruise to Alaska next month, and we are going to go on that kayaking tour with the whales. That'll be great. I'll have video from the boat while she goes. <laughs> oh, it'll be great. I made a friend. Anybody come here and made a friend? Anybody been here that really didn't want to come here? Don't raise your hand, Gail. Anybody come here that said, I don't know. Car ran out of gas, and I'm going to hit the preacher up some money when church is over. I understand. But you come here and say, hey, I made a friend. I know somebody. I've heard somebody. I work with somebody. I didn't know you come to church. Number three is discipleship. The first time I'm learning to read the scripture and follow Jesus. That's a big step. Right up here at potty training. For anybody that doesn't rejoice over potty training, you hadn't raised kids in a long time. Potty training is a whoo, big deal once they accomplish that. And then the fourth one is called lordship. We talked about last week, curiacos. If you curiacos, God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And this is a huge leap, mostly for people in churches. They'll do the first two. They'll do the first three. But you get this last one, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you, God is sovereign. God is in control. It's called curiacos. It's God's world. The earth is his footstool. And I may not understand all of his ways I'm not supposed to. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, he said, there's some things that are still a mystery to you, but that which you do know, declare it. You get hung up on, I don't know why this happened. Okay, you may not ever know, but why don't you declare the things you do know what's going on? There's some things that's a mystery. So the Lordship is the big ship. So the discipleship is like a 9 by 23, that was the boat, kind of like a party boat, pontoon boat, the disciples run around, and I'm getting more friends. Y'all come on board, y'all come to church. But the big one's lordship, God's in control. It's a, big, it's a big operation. So if you get born again and you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you're in one of these ships no matter what. 
And I just want to know which ship you're in. And so it says in, in, in Psalms that they may do business. Jesus says only once in Luke 2, says that don't you know I'm here to do my Father's business. I'm about my Father's matters. And so one of the great things about this is that we know this, that the deeper the waters, the bigger the boat that's needed. So when you get a one-man inner tube, you can, I, I mean, you can get into above-ground swimming pool in the backyard and have a great time. But when you get a cruise ship or a battleship, it has to require deep waters. And I'm asking you this morning, that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 57, it says that the wicked, it means turning, the churning, is like sea that's troubled. It's like going to a pond or a lake, and, and the first three, four, five feet is nothing but just stirring, debris. And the further you get out there, the clearer it is. Why? Because there's no dirt and debris. I'm encouraging you, if you're still waiting around on the bank, it is better if you're just going out. And then you're going to say, well, I can't touch bottom. I understand that. And once you get about two miles out into the water and four miles out of the water of the ocean, it is so crystal clear, it's not even funny, but it's two miles deep. But it's a different feeling. There's something wonderful when you get out there and you can't touch bottom. Oh, you'll scare the life out of you. God's in control? I don't know. Do I have any other choices? You do. But there none of them are, are any good. God said, why don't you just get out there where you can't touch bottom and trust me? You've done it. You may, not, you may not agree to it, but you've done it. You went to take your kids to swim. You've done it. And you say, here, I want to show you. And you throw them over the boat. And your wife screams, they can't swim. And you say, we're still young. We can have more kids. They'll figure it out. Same. God loves it when you get it. Watch this. God loves it when you get into waters that's over your head because you learn to trust Him. Your problem is, is that you love to tippy-toe so much on, 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 on the shallow water. I mean, you're so tippy-toe that you, you, you can still breathe a little bit. And God said, why don't you just get out there when you can't even touch bottom and trust me because I'm in control. We're control freaks. We're control freaks. Oh, if you ever rode with Virgil Gaither, let him drive. Oh, it's not a, it's not a good deal. I'm stomping the brakes, I'm oversteering, I'm shifting, I'm grabbing. I mean, it's a bad deal. We're, we're control freaks. We're, we're so busy telling God where he should turn, give a blinker, stomp the brake, give it the gas. And God said, why don't you just let me be in control? Why don't you just be, let me Lord? The word curious means there's one Lord and the rest of you are slaves. We discussed this a few weeks ago. Hurt some feelings. It's okay. You came back. There's only, there's only a Lord and slaves. That's it. So we learn to trust Him. So the, the deeper the waters, you're going to need a bigger boat. And, and by the immortal words of Chief Brody on the movie Jaws, when he saw the fish for the first time, what did he say? We're going to need a bigger boat. By the Holy Spirit, what I'm asking God to do in your life is, is you look around and look something going on, and God's saying the same thing. Where I'm taking you, you'll need a bigger boat. And you've heard me say a thousand times that, that as the angel is trying, to, is trying to debunk what the angel just told her, and she said, a child, I, I've never known a man. And the angel said, what God is going to do through you, you will not need a man. So by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to, you don't have to go to, 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 to schools and degrees and seminaries. You, all you need is just to be available for God, and God's going to shove you into deeper waters. So keep in mind, the deeper the waters, the bigger the boat. That's pretty important. 
And so why is it that we need deeper waters? Well, there's many reasons, but we're not going to talk about that. But welcome to the goal of the church, class 101. The reason why we get in deeper waters is because the, the water's clear and the fish are bigger. The goal of the church, this church, of the church, is maturity. There's no perpetual revival. Anybody been in revival last over two or three days? Okay, that's a smartic remark. And we had them going on for weeks, not here, but weeks and months, and we got everywhere. Listen, there is no perpetual revival. You may not ever come back here, but one thing about it, you'll hear truth this morning while you're here. There's no such thing as a perpetual revival. I don't even like the word revival. The revival by root means to, to awaken something that's dead. I never felt like I was dead. I never felt like this church was dead. Maybe, maybe we're different. Turn to somebody and say, you're definitely different. If you're visiting, you don't have to do that. But you're different. But to bring back to life, something was dead. I mean, if Jesus and me, I'm not dead anymore. So, so the chief goal of this church, or the, it should be about maturity. Growing up. And as Ephesians said, that you would grow in the proportions as the body as he is the head. It means the full-size head and the little stick man. That's not the way it should be. Is that we as the body of Christ, we should grow in proportion to the fullness of the head of Christ. So this come up last week, and I'm really kind of glad it come up. So here we go. So what happens is, here we go. This is about gifts and all this stuff. So here we go. Uh, this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Two verses, 8 through 10. The chief goal of this church is maturity. That's what I'm after, maturity. That's what I'm after, is mature people of God. Now, I understand some of you are in between the first two ships and the third ship, but my, my end result is the last ship. I'm trying to get you fully matured. And if you can get fully matured, then we can help those that are going to walk through the door. Understand? You see, maturity is the roof of this pavilion and it keeps the elements of the air off of you. Aren't you glad we have sidewalls? Anybody say amen? amen. I mean, glad we got an air conditioner going. Amen. But isn't it kind of important we got a roof? You don't appreciate that until the hailstorm comes. See? Until you have a flock of birds flower. <laughs> and then you're going to say, hey, you know, I appreciate the roof. See, maturity is a wonderful thing. Maturity is the roof that we provide over people's lives, that, that if it wasn't for maturity, they, they would be exposed to inclement weather and conditions. This is a deal with the seven pillars that Solomon talks about that supports the roof of maturity. This is what Paul says. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Same spirit. To another by faith, or to another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing. It's gifts of healings by the same spirit. It means offices. To another working in miracles, another prophecy, another discerning spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and another of tongues interpret or to interpretations. All right. These gifts, by definition of Greek, means offices or temporary abilities. There's a huge difference between wisdom and the gift of wisdom. Wisdom means you're wise, and the gift of wisdom is at that moment you're saying something that absolutely you can't believe come out of your mouth that made sense. Been there? I mean, you just rocked along all your life and just saying dumb things, and all of a sudden somebody asks you a question about Jesus and something comes out of your mouth, and you go, where did that come from? It come from God, because God didn't want you to goof it up. <laughs> so this is kind of how this works. It doesn't mean you're always smart and wise and you say wonderful things that people just drop their jaws and say, oh, you're great. That's not what they say about you. Trust me. 
This is what we refer to the gifts or the offices. Now, there's another one called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits, it's fruit. This is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, and against there is no such law. It means you can't have too much of it. This is referred to as karpos or fruit. So the idea this morning is, is this word karpos and, and the gifts of spirit and the fruit of spirit, are, are they work together, but they're two completely different things. So I want to apologize to you ahead of time if I don't, if I don't explain myself to you. And for those that are raised in Pentecostal church, don't turn me out yet because you're going to learn something today that's going to help you. This fruit of the Spirit is kind of like grapefruit. It's one fruit, but it has sections in it. But the, the fruit of the Spirit is this combination of things that's working, but it, it's a word for karpos. It's K-R-P-H-O-S, and it means development. So I think it was Jeremy or Jordan, one of them, I was shaving up a storm one day, and they walked in there, and I was shaving up a storm. And, and I think Jeremy, he was about four, and he said, man, when will I be able to get to shave? So any guy here that's been in the business of shaving, you know, that's not a joy to do every morning. And this is what I, I said, I said, Pete, the day will come where them whiskers will pop out of you. He goes, okay. Well, how many of you know, guys, that, that when you're first born, you're born like a baby face like Virgil, but before long, you get a face like me. And you got hair and whiskers everywhere. It's in you. It just took time to come out. The fruit of the Spirit is you don't have to come down every Sunday and me anoint you all and lay hands on you and prophesy. That has nothing to do with anything. And when you get born again, you inherit the things of God and the kingdom of God, and the fruit of the Spirit is in you. It just takes a little time for it to develop. But it's in you. Turn to somebody and say, oh, it's in you, all right. It's... But it's going to come out. Love, joy, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, gentleness. And the last one is called temperance, means cannibalism. We quit eating one another. That's what it means, temperance. That's all it means. So all these things are in you. And as you get older, you, you're, you're, I mean, I'm a lot better grandparent than I was a parent. I understand that. I don't know why that is. Because I know kids don't change. Well, my grandkids are perfect, but I know kids don't change. I've changed. I'm maturing. And I found out in the later years that the younger years, it really wasn't a big deal. I worried about those things. I shouldn't have worried about them. So the idea of us, the fruit of the Spirit is a process, and the gifts of the Spirit is the product. All right? So for you that are Pentecostal, do we have that, the, the gifts of the Spirit are the product? So this is, what, this is what this means. The gifts of the Spirit are in us, and that's what God does. But what He's doing to us, He gives us the opportunity to operate and do certain things that will be the product of what God's doing on the inside. So here we go. The secret to a great apple pie is great ripe apples. If you don't know the difference between a pecan hull and the inside of a pecan meat, please do not bake me a pecan pie. <laughs> so the number, there, there are nine gifts of the fruit of the Spirit and there's nine gifts of, of, the, of the Spirit of God. The number nine is where we get a word, the number for completion. It's nine months to a woman's pregnancy. Mature, right. You'd be best to wait till nine months if you can. Because once you wait nine months, the baby will be in pretty good shape. The idea is, this is the idea, that this, you, 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 can, you can make an apple pie and you can pick very young, bitter, unripened apples and you can have a perfect crust 
It can be the perfect color. You can sprinkle it with cinnamon. It can smell wonderful. But I'm telling you, if you deal and, and produce apple pies with bitter, unripened apples, the pie will be bitter. But you can hold classes how to make the perfect crust. You can come to church and we can hold sessions on how to, what temperature to put it at. We can tell you what cookie sheet to put it at. We can do everything for you. But here's the deal. Make no mistake about it. If you are immature in the fruit of the Spirit, for God's sake, just keep quiet when you're trying to do something for God. So what it means is this, that I've known 100,000 people that I grew up with in the Pentecostal ranks and the charismatic ranks that had unripened fruit. They just got saved. They just got in the church. And for some reason, they think that they are now God's dictionary to operating in the gifts of the Spirit. We had a church going on in Rattle City, Simon God Church, and there was a guy that was very active, tongues interpretation, every service, every service. It's fine, every service. Not making fun or a lot of it. And you can leave here and you can say this, well, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't go down that road with me. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is a word called Babylon's where we have no use for it. It's, it's the product of a southbound horse going northbound. It means this. Jesus said you blaspheme the Holy Spirit because you say, I do not need the Holy Spirit. And John 6 says, nobody can come to the Father unless drawn by the Spirit. That's what blaspheme means. I don't need the Spirit of God. Sure you do. So anyway, anyway. So we had a routine going on every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. You could just write it down. You could write it down. We're going to have this guy give tongue interpretation. And one time on a Sunday morning, this is what he said. Truth. My wife, look at her. Look at her. He said, somebody in this place is going to die today. He was associate pastor. Ooh. Now that's right up here with Virgil and Don and Neil singing. I mean, that... Whoo, boy, I mean, something went down my back. Oh, baby. It had an adverse effect on everything and everybody. And I, I, I went to preacher. I said, listen, I'm, I'm not a preacher here, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's not right. Well, brother, it moved people to the altar. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not right. That's fear. That's intimidation. God's not in the intimidation business. God's not in the fear business. God's a God of love. He knows how to draw. He knows how to be good. He knows how to be kind. He knows how to crack, but he does it with love and justice. That's who God is. He doesn't say, unless you change your ways, I'm going to kill you. He doesn't do that, especially in tongues interpretation. I fight that. You're, I'm on guard. You're in good shape. Boy, when he said that, I'm, I mean, my good. Well, what happens is, here's the deal. He produced an apple pie but he wasn't ripened with the fruit of God in him. Oh, I know. I know you got recipes. But before you start spouting off things that God said or what you think, I think, I think it would be best to let the fruit of the Spirit nine months develop and ripen. And then after we become ripened in love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and goodness and temperance and all this stuff, and then what happens is you can make the perfect pie that will be great and he'll taste wonderful because the fruit of God in your life is right. Now, I'm not telling you to just zip it until you get it right. I'm just telling you, if you have a question, ask. If you want to witness, do the best you can. But this has got the churches in a lot of trouble because they got spiritual gifting going on, but they don't have the ripening of the fruit. All right? 
Okay. So if we want to produce a great apple pie, what's got to happen? We've got to have ripe fruit. So now then, this is the question that come out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. Now, let's read it. Go ahead. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. We're talking about maturity. And God has said in some of the church, first apostles and second prophets and thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and gifts of healing. The word, see the word plural? is gifts of healing. It's, all, it's offices. There's different ways you can heal. Eomai is a Greek word. Uh, helps, government, diversity of tongues. And the, and the Greek says diversity of tongues. It means understanding different tongues and being able to translate in your own dialect. So when you see that diversity of tongues, is the ability to hear diverse tongues which not only your same language and, and be able to, to translate to someone else in another language. So case in point, uh, there is a, this interpretation that's found in 1 Corinthians number 12, that is what we refer to as a paraphrase. But in Acts chapter 2, no one interpreted what they said. The Holy Spirit translated what they said. Word for word. So, if, if you're new here, you think, you think I'm on medication. I'm not. You see, in churches today, we got all these interpretations going on and say, yeah, I'm saying to you, you rise and go to east or you come to a state called Oklahoma and all that stuff. On 4th Street, you'll see a guy behind a podium that's absolutely lost his mind and there, sitting on the third row. I mean, I mean it's paraphrased. On Acts chapter 2, when these men were here and the Holy Spirit fell, they heard their language word for word. One is interpretation. One is translation. So, I live right up here. I'm not telling you where I live because you won't come over and borrow some money from me. But I live right up here. And the guy next door to me, his name is Tommy Wynn. And he owns Tommy Nails. Great guy. And he said, this is what he said to me. He said, he said my customer bought a house you fixed. And I said, which one? I had eight. He said, I said, yeah. He said, I want you to paint my house. I said, no can do. And, and he said, no, I want you to paint my house. He said, all I want you to do is paint my house. I said, okay, I'll paint it. So when I got to start painting, took, pull, he said, can you pull the carpet up? You know how this goes. We're just going to go shopping for a pair of pantyhose and we'll be right back. <laughs> you know how this goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you pull the carpet up? I said, I can't. And he said, hey, he said, can you, put, is, is it, can you take the trim up and blah, blah? He said, can you build a kitchen? I said, well, you know I can. I want you to build me a kitchen. I said, okay. So he goes on, and I was there a year and two months. <laughs> really? So the first time I met his wife, she, she's, about, she's about five foot one, and she weighs about 75 pounds. Her name is Julie, nicely. And she's funny because when she wants to talk to you, she'll do this. She'll just do this. She'll squat. <laughs> and, it's, and she don't need a chair. That's the way she talks. So I have to get down, because I want to talk to her, so I have to get down, there and I'm there for about a minute, then I have to lay down on the floor and look at her, see? <laughs> and so he said, I want you to knock this wall out. Knock the whole kitchen wall out. And he said, can you do that? I said, well, I can do it. He said, I want you to knock it out. So anyway, I said, and this is what I said. I said, have you talked this over to your wife? He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm man in my house. I said, have you talked this over to you with, with your wife? I said, before I start walking, knocking big walls out, he said, I'll tell her later. We'll surprise her. I said, I'm not surprising any woman. I'm telling you right now, that ain't happening. Woo, no. I mean, I can, I can repaint something, but knocking walls out 25 feet. So anyway, I get it all. He said, we surprise her. I said, you got a mouse in your pocket, buddy. We ain't surprising her. Anyway, so I get it all walked out, and here she comes. First time I ever met her. Here she comes. 
Oh, she come walking in there, and I mean, and just jabbering, just jabbering, just, 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 just jabbering. And I said, good morning. She said, hello. And I said, my name is Jody, and blah, blah, blah. My name is Julie, and blah, blah, blah. And so now he takes this wall, and she looks at this wall, and it's all gone. And he says something in Vietnamese. I don't know what it is. It's not long. I'm going to say, I'm going to say like, do you like it? That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> do you like it? And she's not saying anything. And then she's looking, but you know, I've been married a few years, so she's looking at it. And then she says, it's quiet. And I look at him. I'm, I'm heading to the front door. I'm looking at him. And I said, what's she saying? He said, oh, she said, it's okay. And I said, that's not what she said. I'm going to tell you right now, she's been talking for 45 seconds straight. It's okay takes two seconds. He said, ah, oh, it's okay. One is an interpretation. It's okay. One is a translation. And the translation probably said, you knucklehead. You and that pathetic carpenter of yours can just take your, pack your bags. And I don't know what she said. So what happens is you have to understand when you deal with the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, it's all temporary. It's as severally as God wills. He moves us upon us at certain times. We don't carry it around our pocket, and God may have you do this and that. And that's why it says in, verse, in the last part of this verse or chapter, it says, cuff the best gift or whatever is needed. There's one for interpretation, and there's one for translation. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. Just because you've been a part of a church that somebody jumps and says, yes, Andy, listen, it's, it's okay. I'm not making fun of a lot. My goal is to get you so close to Jesus, you hear every word that comes out of the mouth of our Lord. Word for word. Spirit by spirit. Truth by truth. And you don't have to take another man's word for it. It's okay to get information, but I'm trying to get you a place of maturity that you're so near to God that you understand every word of translation by the Holy Spirit of God whether, whatever he has for your life. That's where I'm trying to get you to go. Instead of calling somebody and saying, what do you think, y'all think we ought to go? Think we stay? Well, I'm leaving. Well, I'm leaving too. Well, you might not have heard God. And how many has ever been in church and did something and not heard God? Oh, baby, that's not good. So the idea of this, this is very important. So now then, apostles, prophets, teachers, healers, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, known and unknown. That's what he says. So a couple of verses later, this is what he said. So he's going to reiterate. He said, not all of us as the body of Christ. Are we all? Are we all? Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gift of healings in tongues. So that's what he said. We have apostles. We have prophets. We have teachers. We have miracles. We have working of all these things. And he said, we have helps. We have governments. And he said, does all of us have the gift of apostles? Say no. Does all of us have the gift of prophecy? Say no. Does all of us teachers say no? Does all of us can do miracles we want? Say no. Does all of us have the gift of healing? Say no. And do all of us have the ability to speak in tongues and understand tongues? And the answer is no. But he left out two. Go back to the first. Get your mental image of that. One, two, three, four, five, six. Go back to the other bullet points, please. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He left out two. He said, we, we don't all have the gift of being apostle. We're not all prophets. We're not all teachers. We don't have the gift of miracles. We don't have the gifts of healing. And, and we don't all have gifts in tongues. But he left that too. But he said, we all 
can do two things. Helps in government. And once you see this, it'll change everything. Brad, it'll change everything. So just because you can't speak in tongues and just because you don't have prophecy and just because you can't teach and just because you don't have the gifts of healing and just because you don't speak in tongues and turn, doesn't mean anything. He said, okay, so we don't all do that, but we can all do two things. We can help and we can provide government. Are you getting this? See, he, he lists them for you. So he's obvious. we got the gifts of Spirit and all this stuff, but he's, he's telling you right now. He said, okay, so you can't all have miracles. You don't all prophesy. You're not all the pastors and all and all that stuff. He said, fine. And people go, whoo, I'm free from doing anything. He said, oh, not so fast, my friend. No bueno. But we've all been called to help. The reason why we know that, because he left those two off. Helps is a word called ellipsis. And ellipsis was found in Acts chapter 27 when Paul gets on this ship, and we'll, we'll pick it up next week. He's on this ship, and the Bible said when he started in Acts 27, they started smooth sailing, the ship started coming apart. Eurachlidon was a word. It was called a Mediterranean word, but it means winds from four different directions. Isn't it amazing that it's just smooth sailing? It's just smooth until you say, I want to follow Jesus, and you never knew hell existed. I want to start paying my tithes, and you had no idea what financial hardships would come your way. Absolutely. And some of you can't respond to that because maybe you don't understand that. Some of you never understand the, pro the principle until you really say, I have decided to follow Jesus no matter what, no turning back. That's a great song, but once you start putting that on two feet, something happens. The word helps, ellipsis, it means, it means it was cables that was attached to a ship that you could go from underneath the boat from one side to the other to keep it from coming apart. I'll show you next week. Antos, the opposite ellipsis, means to secure. When the ship was coming apart, the boards were coming apart, Paul said we had helps. Acts chapter 27, we had helps. We had men to take those cables and go under the boat and underneath the boat into the water and attach it to keep the boards from coming apart. Number one, just because you don't have the gift of prophecy, maybe you're not a teacher, maybe you don't work miracles, maybe you don't speak in tongues, fine, I'm with you. But you can help me keep people from coming apart. That is your responsibility. So don't look at me and you say, well, that's your job. Don't tell me what my job is. I know my job. My job is to preach long messages where you're glad and you'll shout when I quit. That's my job. Do I have tongues interpretation in me? Absolutely. Have you, some of you heard in 33 years? Absolutely not. Do I work miracles? Absolutely, time to time. I don't do anything. The Holy Spirit moves. All these things are working in the body. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Piano player, lawnmower, it's all in me. I can do it all. Not very good, but it's all in me. Whatever's needed. But I will tell you, some of you say, well, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and for God's sake, I'm not doing that, and woo, I'll run out the door if they start doing that. Okay, but so now then we're down to two to be helped. And ellipsis. And by doing so, you look at people's lives and say, you know, I think he's coming apart. I heard they're getting divorced. I heard they're going bankrupt. I heard he just lost his wife. I heard he just lost her husband. I just heard these things. I'm telling you right now. I, and I'm watching them, and, and they're just barely here. They're here. And, and for God's sake, do something. Get a hold of them. Undergird them. Wrap your arms around them. Encourage them. 
And it lifts us, help them from, keep them from coming apart. Anybody here besides me ever got here and somebody helped you keep from coming apart? Yeah. Then return the favor. And the second one is government. And government is communistic, but it's a word for just wise counsel. Communistic is a word that was used sometimes by the Greeks, and it means that to give good instructions and directions. So come here, Chuck. We used you last week. You did a great job. I sent you a church check. I hope you didn't spend it one time for helping me. So Chuck comes here, and he's always smiling. But I'm sure you don't live in a perfect world. And I'm sure you have hurts and pains, and especially the guy that you sit by every Sunday. I understand. <laughs> but sometimes that your mind starts coming apart. And your motion starts coming apart. And we're going to deal with this a long time next week, so I'm going to give you some fair warning. But one of the greatest things that I can do as a man of God, just because I... Is what good would be to speak in tongues over him? Nothing. The greatest healing agent in the church is to wrap your arms from one side to another of this guy and try to keep him together. Keep you from coming apart. Because life itself is tough on us. And I don't know any greater thing in the world that can happen in the church is when people, instead of being accusers and condemners, if we just come to the church and embrace one another and say, listen, I may not can change your outcome, but I can sure be with you as we go through this thing together. And number two is where cubanistic. It means to give sound direction and information while we're going through this. And I'm going to say to you, because there's nothing that I know that's going on through you, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going through some stuff and you're experiencing some stuff and there's some stuff that's really just kind of slingshotting and catching you back. And this is what I'm going to tell you. Psalms 4610 is this. Why don't you just be still? And let God prove that he's God. Government means this, to give wife counsel. And the greatest counsel that we can give anybody while they're going through something is this. Don't look up Sister Oprah and Dr. Phil. Just turn all that mess off. I'll tell you what God says, that no weapons formed against you shall prosper. I'll tell you what the Bible says, that greater is he that's in you than he that's coming against you, basically. I want to tell you what the Bible says, that, that all things are possible for him that just believes. Chuck, while you're going through this, and I'll go through this with you together, how about you and I just get still and watch God work on our behalf? That's great information. So this morning, I will tell you, thank you, that we all have been given the assignment to help to hold people together, and to give them wise counsel. And the counsel sometimes, this word cubanistic is a word that's beyond your thought process. I really don't care what your third grade teacher said. I really want to know what God said. Every one of us, we hit bridge out signs. Every one of us, we run off the cliff. Every one of us become wounded and damaged and, and our life is coming apart. And maybe some of you this morning thought about sticking a needle in your arm or a gun in your mouth at one time. Demons will talk to you like I'm talking to you right now. You're driving around the road 80 miles an hour, and, and your enemies say, why don't you just run that bridge? It'll be over in a second. You'll never feel anything. Nobody cares if you live or die. You're in a place where we care. We care. 
And if you can hear demons, I got the good news for you. That means you can hear God. Yeah. So you might have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. You might have had an accident, but you're no accident. I'm telling you right now, before we let you come apart, we're going to hold you together. And we're going to give you some wise counsel what the Word of God says. And last but not least, verse 44, we're going to go home. This is what it said about the storm. The ship came apart, and it says, The rest on some boards and broken pieces on the ship. It came to pass that they all escaped the land safely. Don't, don't miss out what it says. When it finally made land, they made it safe. Some of them was on boards and planks. God never promised smooth sailing. He just promised us a safe landing. See, what it's telling you here is this, that they made it. But they didn't make it on, on the vehicle that they started out with. It started out, you know, the love boat and turned out to be the Titanic. You know. So we look back, and I do this all the time. I've been here 30-something years. I, I look back, and I thought, oh, when we first started, oh, my God. This whole thing was painted purple and mauve. I don't even, I don't even know how we stood to walk in here. Oh, it's crazy. Had them neon lights flashing, and, you know, and, and as, as you, you just kind of go through time, and you look, and people in your life, when you first got saved, and they helped you there, and they're gone, and then somebody else come along, they helped you. What I'm telling you is this, that we're going to make it. Neil, we're going to make it, son. We're going to make it. Unfortunately, some of us are going to arrive without the people that we started with. But we're going to make it. We've had to bury too many here in this church, but we're going to make it. I'm still so mad at God that Scooney left early. Scooney was the only guy I know that I could just aggravate the fire out of, but we're going to make it. But some of you this morning, I want you to understand God has plans for your life, and you're going to make it. It may be on boards and planks, but you're going to make it. Just trust God. Agree? So maturity this morning is what we're after. So, Father, more than anything, I want to do your business. And over 40 years ago, I stepped into the first one-man inner tube, and I thought it was all about me. And then I made a friend. And then I started inviting friends to church and then somewhere down the road, I found that it's all about you, Lordship. This is your world. This is your earth. This is your boat. This is your universe. It is your plans. And you was just waiting for me to grow up, mature, ripen, develop. That when I opened up my mouth, it wouldn't leave a bitter aftertaste in someone else's heart. 
through the years, you taught me about kindness and love and generosity, commitment, loyalty, friendship, dedication. The gifts of the Spirit that was in operation in my life was only enhanced by the fruit of the Spirit that had become ripened in my life. And now, they, Father, I'm just so thankful this morning that, that we can glorify you through our words and our deeds. Instead of telling how big my problem is, I'm going to tell my problems how big my father is. So the goal of this church and what I desire more than anything and what you desire in this church is just spiritual maturity. That I'm not going to get hung up on tongues, interpretations, and, and miracles. That's all up to you. If you want us to do that, it'll happen. But my focus is on being a help to someone whose life is trying to come apart. And number two, I want to give them good sound advice. And the only advice that I know that is sound and worth telling is your word. So if you're in this place this morning, I'm telling you, you're not here by accident. You're here by assignment. The Holy Spirit is just taking you by the hand and moving you from one ship to the other. And it's getting bigger. And as it's getting bigger, you're going into deeper waters. Until God gets you to a place where it's so deep, you can't even think about touching it. You just have to trust him. And for those that made mistakes and got F's on the report cards every day, like myself, I'm just telling you that God has got more grace than you have sinned. That's why I love him. So, Father, this morning, help us to make it our chief goal in this place to embrace one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, and give them sound biblical advice that is true and secure, that we will be the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. How many believes that to be true this morning? Stand and give the Lord a praise offering, huh? Jesus said, I want you to not live by bread alone, but I want you to live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word. That means you may have to get in a place where you can hear. Maybe sometimes God's going to take friends out of your life because all they do is just ratchet join. You can't hear God. Sometimes you wonder why God moves people out of your life. Maybe it's because they were they was suffocating all the air from your life. And God said, I just want to get you to a place where you can hear me. We understand, Father. In just a few moments, if the communion servers will please come, we celebrate Holy Communion every week. Every week. Every week. It's not a ritual that we go through. It's not a routine. You don't have to fill out a report card. You don't have to be a member of this church. We don't even have a membership in this church. So some of you that are visiting, I'm going to say this in about one minute or less. All my Pentecostal life, I've been taught, and the Apostle Paul deals in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, dealing with communion, he said this, he said, let a man examine himself, because if you take this cup unworthily, that you're heaping damnation upon yourself, which is separation from God. And I was scared to death to take communion. 
Matter of fact, at that time in my life that I was terrified to take communion, and I wouldn't because I knew that if I would take communion in the condition that I was in, that God was going to smash me like a slug on a sidewalk until I understand the language. And the language is this, unworthily. In Axios is the word unworthily. The Apostle Paul said unworthily, it means in your own worth. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes to communion, the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus, don't ever take communion because you feel like you're good enough. We are never worthy. There's only one that's worthy. And that's King Jesus. And I come and I celebrate Holy Communion because He is worthy. So this morning in this great exchange, bring all your cares and all your worries and all your sins and all your diseases and all your unthings. Just bring it and exchange it for His grace and His love. That's all this is. So I come down here with a broken body, a broken mind. My mind is weary and my body is tired. And I, and I, and I give him this and I take on the body of Christ, fullness of the life, whole. And I take him all my sins and all my imperfections in his blood washes all my sins away. So this morning when we want to celebrate Holy Communion, don't come down here in your own worth. Come down there in His Word. And I'll tell you, something wonderful will happen as you take the bread and the cup this morning. In Jesus' name. Father, bless this bread and bless this cup. And for all of your children that long to get in another ship and trust you a little bit more, Holy Communion is a great avenue to help us in our journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.